Hello and welcome to PodRocket, the podcast brought to you by LogRocket. LogRocket helps software teams improve user experience with session replay, error tracking, and product analytics. You can try it for free at LogRocket.com. My name is Noel, and with me today is Rizel Scarlett, a developer advocate at GitHub. Welcome to the show, Rizel. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and your role, what you've been focusing on lately? My name's Rizal, like you just said, and I am a developer advocate at GitHub. Started off my career in like help desk and then went to software engineering. And then I transitioned into developer advocacy, which I feel like is a combination of both roles where I get to help people, but I also still get a chance to code. A lot of my role is focused around introducing people to open source as a contributor or helping to improve their lives as maintainers. And then also, most importantly, just talking to people about the new GitHub products and tools and figuring out how can we make it better for them, but also empowering them to understand how to use those products better. One of the products that I've done the most advocacy for is GitHub Copilot. Can you give us an overview? I'm sure most listeners are probably familiar with Copilot. They've done some reading on it, at least for those who haven't or those who need a refresher. Like, What is Copilot? How does it kind of slot into the development workflow? And surprisingly, I've met a lot of people who don't know what it is. I'm like, oh, I need to do my job better. (laughs) GitHub Copilot is, at GitHub, we're saying it's an AI pair programming assistant that helps you to code faster with less work. And when I describe it to people, I'll describe it as the smart compose feature in Gmail where like you start typing and then it has a bit of predictive text for you. So it's like that experience, but while you're coding. How does it work? What has Copilot been trained on? How does it do its kind of predictive stuff? So when it first came out, it was initially using an LLM called Codex. And for people who don't know what an LLM is, it's a large language model. And I heard a developer advocate at Microsoft describe large language models in a nice way that I didn't think of. They're just statistical probability machines. So they're like supercharged, autocomplete tools, but on a larger scale. Um, GitHub Copilot was using Codex in the background and Codex was essentially trained on natural language and public repositories so that it can better have a large data set of code. But now we've most recently moved to Sahara, Mm. which is also developed by OpenAI. What are the differences? Both are descendants of GPT-3, which is another LLM, right? Basically, GPT-3 was one of the ancestors, then they came out with Codex, and Codex was specifically fine-tuned for programming because GPT-3 is used by a lot of stuff, like but more for natural language, like Duolingo uses GPT-3. Mm-hmm. But we switched over to Sahara, which is actually using GPT-3.5 Turbo. And what we're doing right now is we're trying to experiment with which models will be best for us. And when we're thinking of these types of things, we're thinking about cost because it is really expensive for us to have these GPUs. Each suggestion and each token is very expensive for us. So we have to think about that. We're thinking about latency and we're thinking about the response quality. Things I think are subject to change. But right now in this moment, we're leveraging Sahara as our next tool or our hence LLM. Can you get into details about like why the speed there with 3.5 and the models descendant from it are so much faster and cheaper to do recommendations with? That's a good question. And actually, I'm not too sure. So I haven't seen any, what is it, like 
postings or articles from OpenAI specifically about Sahara. I just know from GitHub's perspective and what we've announced is that Sahara and how it's working with GPT 3.5 Turbo has had a better response quality, has been like reduced latency and has been a more cost-effective way of doing things for us. But that is a good question. And I've been waiting for them to post more details so I can read up on it. Yeah, from there, I'm curious for devs that are looking to explore this and can get their feet wet. How do you recommend they go in and try getting started with Copilot? First is... You can sign up for a subscription or a free trial, right? But after you do that, you do have to install the GitHub Copilot extension. Once you do that, if you're starting off with a blank file, I strongly suggest writing a comment because GitHub Copilot is working based on the context that it has in the file, right? So it's looking at your file name, it's looking at your cursor, and then it's just looking at what's in the file overall and any neighboring open files within your IDE. So if it has completely nothing, right, if it's just like a new code base and there's nothing there, write a comment stating the purpose of your application. If you want to create a markdown editor, this is like something I did. I was able to just create a markdown editor in one go because I gave it like a really large comment that said, I want to create a markdown editor in Next.js. I want it to have these couple of features. Like I want it to be able to support bold, italics, and whatever, so on and so forth. I want to be able to use these specific NPM packages or Yarn packages. And then once you have that overarching comment at the top, it should be able to trigger some suggestions or what we call the suggestions. We call it ghost text. And you should be able to see what it'll generate from there. And you can either choose to accept the suggestion or look at an additional suggestion or just reject it and keep typing. You mentioned installing the extension is the first step. Are we talking VS Code specifically? Is this available in, like, in any other editors? It's available in VS Code, yes, but it's also available in Visual Studio and it's available in NeoVim and JetBrains IDEs. Do you have any other examples from the industry or like out in the wild of people using Copilot to help them write other open source code or just like large production applications? Maybe this is not really a production application, but I've seen people use it for documentation. That's something that the software engineers tend to not like writing documentation. It can be a tedious task sometimes. And I don't think it's Copilot's really that great with non-code, like just written prose. But if you need to add in code snippets and stuff like that really quickly, I've seen people say that's been extremely helpful for them. I've seen someone say that they wrote half the static web app CLI documentation with Copilot. For me, I've used it to build a Chrome extension. Mm -hmm. I use it a lot for like demos. And I think it's been helpful for me because as a developer advocate, I got to do demos like on the spot sometimes, or I'm like, oh man, I don't exactly remember how to do this. Just writing a comment and having it generate that for me is really great. And I guess this is a small version of a production app, but I did create a web application that basically auto invites maintainers into our private maintainer community. That was really great because I don't code every day. So that's been helpful. And I also used it to create a VS code extension that deploys your web applications to GitHub pages. So off the top of my head, for some reason, I'm not remembering all the stuff that I've seen in industry, but I have a ton of examples for myself. 
I've used it in generating type files. I found myself doing a lot of projects where I'm like parsing a lot of JSON in and out of these APIs that I don't necessarily have typings for. So like on the fly, I can just be like, hey, I can just set that to a variable, define a type for this, and then it'll spit out a type definition for me. And it saves me a ton of time instead of having to go look through the object very carefully and spec it all out. And it's always worked pretty well for me there. I love that. I think it's also good with like regex. I think regex is really powerful, but like I'm not going to remember it all. I, all, the, <laughs> I'm sorry, all the digits and characters that saved me a lot of time because I swear I take 30 minutes to an hour with one line of regex. Yeah, sometimes, but now it's 10 seconds. <laughs> I feel like regex is one of those things. Very few developers have actually internalized how regex works, and every time they've got like, okay, hold on, I've got to look at this again and figure out what this is doing. You fix a problem with regex, and you have two problems: the original one and the regex problem. Yeah. Um, it can be handy to help me write a regex that validates the string, does whatever. Like I think those kinds of things that we know as devs we have to do and like we reach for those tools occasionally, but we're not using them super often and like the recollection might not always be there. I think that area is pretty ripe for being like these kinds of tools helping. Agreed. Is there any other pitfalls or anything to watch out for when getting started when in this domain that can like trip up new people or just like cause bugs in code that maybe weren't foreseen or like in your experience found that there are certain patterns to look out for and anything that may indicate that you shouldn't be using copilot for something i don't know if i've picked up on specific patterns but i will say that just don't blindly accept the code that it generates because here's the thing it doesn't know what it's writing. I think some people might think, oh my God, it understands the code base, but it doesn't. It's just following patterns. It's just following the training data that it's been based on. And, and it is limited to that training data, right? So it's only as good as the data that you've trained it on and only as good as the code that it's writing. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's where, I don't know if there's a specific pitfall. At first, I was not really great at using GitHub Copilot, but I started picking up little like tips and tricks that I'm like, oh, okay, I need to be more specific. I need to give it as much context as possible so that it can understand how to write code or assist me. I guess a big pitfall is it can't generate an entire project. A lot of times people ask me, oh my gosh, can it generate a whole project? No, it's best with giving short, small outputs for developers. I have to imagine that there's some telemetry being collected to know when a suggestion is accepted or not to help Copilot become more accurate over time. A, is that happening? B, to what extent? And where are the boundaries there? Like devs can rest easy knowing that their code isn't always being uploaded because I feel that context would be helpful to have. Okay, I want to know everything that was just written and what was spit out. I know why that might be valuable, but I'm sure that there are people that are also concerned about that. What's the current kind of line there? How do you guys make sure the model can improve and we're getting good data back, but also not just gobbling up stuff we shouldn't be? Your assumption is right. If people go to the FAQ on the GitHub Copilot page, but we do take telemetry of like your user engagement. We want to figure out what you accepted, what you rejected. We want to figure out what's the percentage of how great this thing is so we can continue to improve on it. Mm -hmm. The thing is, we're not taking your actual code, right? We're not taking your code. We're not storing that forever. That's only ephemeral. We'll take it for that one moment that we need to give you back a suggestion, but then we'll throw it away. Yeah. And you also have the option in your settings to turn off the ability to even take that data from you. And for businesses who are using Copilot for business, that's turned off by default. So yes, 
that is a thing. We are taking that. But mm, you have the ability to control if we take that. And we're not taking any personal information about you. I think I believe we have like pseudonym identifiers so that it's not Rizal Scarlet did this at this moment. What does that flag control? The telemetry flag is like anything's getting uploaded or like what does that actually toggle? I believe that's toggling. Do you want us to know what suggestions you accepted and rejected? I see. Gotcha. When a suggestion is accepted or rejected, even if that flag is on, enabled, right? Like telemetry data is being sent. You guys still don't get the context where that suggestion was accepted. Is all you know, this is the suggestion and it was accepted? Or is there some contextual data that might help you guys know why that was accepted? I don't know the answer to that. But that's a good question. No worries. Yeah, yeah, because it'd be good to know when something is accepted and rejected, but I would feel without some context as to like what is leading to that suggestion. It may be hard to know. You mentioned that the flag being one of the things that you can turn off or being disabled by default on Copilot for Business or enabled by default, whichever way the flag works, whatever. The telemetry is turned off in Copilot for Business a little bit more. And for individuals, it's on. Are there other differences between the two? There's another difference of getting a suggestion of public code. So basically, Copilot's not actively grabbing code. It's not actively like grabbing code from repositories, but it was trained on those public repositories and it is synthesizing that. So there can be small coincidences where the code that's suggested matches some public code on the internet. If you wrote like a binary search algorithm or something like that. If 150 characters or more match it, there's this setting where you can say 150 characters or more match some public code. I don't want that suggestion. For a co-pilot for business, that's automatically turned off. For a co-pilot for individuals, it is default turned on, but you can control that setting as well. And then also for co-pilot for business, I think the benefit there is you have people that join the team at your company, right? You don't have to sign each person up individually for a co-pilot account. You just have them on the team, you add them, and then they get co-pilot on their editor. And then if they leave, you can easily just pull them out. So it just creates a smoother process for whoever the engineering manager or administrator is for that team. Gotcha. Yeah, that that level of licensing and stuff, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I am curious about the 150 character limit thing. Was the main concern there like stumbling into some kind of copyright or licensing issue? Like, is that why people generally would enable that 150 character setting? Yeah. Some people, they don't want to copy code, but then there's some other people that have a different mindset about it. And they're like, let's open source code. So that's meant for us to use it. So there's some people or some companies that are like, hey, we don't want that to happen. And then there's some other people with different ideologies that are like, it's public code. It's almost the same as like copying code off of Stack Overflow. Yeah, it's interesting to me, like conceptually, because I don't know, I assume that almost everyone's using like some degree of open source code. They're using some package that they're pulling for something, right? Even the most regimented company, I would think they're using packages for stuff. So it's odd to me that they'd be like, we never want any suggestion, even if someone's written the exact question I'm asking for and solved it perfectly. If it's an exact match to this, I don't want it. Everybody has their own levels of like morality and things, principles that they have. For me, I've always looked at code as something that is meant to be shared. So <laughs> yeah, I have it gone. <laughs> is there an option there in that setting if there's an exact match found to not disable it, but to get a reference to the match so you as the dev could go look at where this exact match is coming from? 
we announced that this feature is going to come out, but we announced that, I believe, at Universe that we're working on a feature that'll give you information and be like, hey, this is being used in this repo. Are you okay with leveraging it? Gotcha. I don't think we launched it publicly, but as a staff member, sometimes I get like access to features a little bit early. And I swear I did see it pop up once and I thought it was so cool. But yeah, I could see that being very reassuring, I guess, to it. Like I can go look at wherever it came from the repo or the question or whatever, and just get a little bit of context as to where the code's originating. Is there anything else kind of like on the horizon coming up that you're aware of or excited about that you can share? We announced Copilot X to most people. I can talk about that. So our goal is you're not just getting code suggestions in your editor. We're making it easier to develop and to code in places outside, just overall. So we have Copilot for CLI. So you type some natural language, it generates like a command for you, and then you get an explanation of the command before you just accept it. It'll tell you like, oh, this is doing this and this. Is this what you wanted? And then you can choose revise query or you can choose run command. I like that because like you said, there are things that we do as developers that we don't do every single day. So we don't have that rote memory right in our head. Right. And then we have Copilot for docs. Instead of looking through documentation, right, it gives you a summary of what you're searching for. Like you type in a question, it'll pop up. We have Copilot for pull requests. So it helps you to create PR or commit messages and helps to give little suggestions on how to improve your PR. We have Copilot chat, which I've been using that one the most and I've been loving it. We gave it to people who attended Microsoft Build and I'm like, they really enjoy it. It's essentially a very similar experience to ChatGPT. So you're chatting with an AI and you're asking it questions. But the mm -hmm. thing is for Copilot chat, it has context of your editor or that open file that you have in there. So that makes it easier where you're not with ChatGPT copying and pasting and putting it back. And that's like a lot of content switching. Yeah. And then it also has slash commands where you can do slash test or slash explain. So if it gives you a suggestion and you're not really understanding why, it'll give you an explanation or it'll generate tests for you. It's been really fun for me. <laughs> Microsoft Build, me and my manager did a presentation about Copilot and Codespaces. But... The person before us, their presentation wasn't working. So they asked us to do a secondary presentation that we did not prepare for at all. But then we were like, oh, what if we just used Copilot chat and just interacted with the audience on what do we build? We like built like a snake game. We built the markdown editor. We built a couple of things and we were just asking the audience, what do you want to add? It was really fun to see what it generated and it generated different things for both of us. Yeah, I'm sure that was a Fun experience. Is it stressful to like give those kinds of presentations where you're not totally sure what the model's going to spit back out at you live like that? I think earlier on when I first started out showing co-pilot demos, I was nervous, but I'm less nervous now. I'm used to, I'll let people know it's non-deterministic. Like we're on a journey. Let's see what happens. More broadly then, what are you excited about in the space and in web dev for the rest of the year? Like what are you looking forward to? I think I'm just looking forward to how our industry is making coding more accessible for people. I think Copilot does that. I think things like Codespaces, not just Codespaces, but there's other in-browser ID or cloud-based editors that exist out there that make it much easier for people who don't have the greatest computer 
to be able to get started with coding. I think it's just nice that we're trying to make coding accessible to people. In the past, it was like, how do I get started? I don't always have all the resources to do this. And yeah, I'm excited to see where we go with that. Awesome, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming online and chatting with me today, Rizal. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course.